He was small, so very small, but desperation lent him strength. The need lent him strength, even though fright and tension threatened to undermine it. He placed small hands on the hammered silver door and pushed as hard as he could, grunting with the effort, pushing with all his might. The door opened slightly, then fell back again, scraping as his meager strength failed. No, he muttered aloud between clenched teeth. No, I will not let you. He shoved very hard again. This time he squeezed into the opening before the door could shut. When it shut, it shut on him. Gasping shock and fright, Aiden thrust himself through. His sleeping robe tore, but he did not care. It did not matter. He was in at last. Once in, he froze. The great hall was cavernous, darker than night, a thick, heavy blackness trying to squash him flat, darkness and something calling to him. He would not be squashed, he would not, and yet his belly nodded. Who was he to do this? Who was he to come to his grandsire's great hall to confront the lion throne? Small hands tugged at hair, twisting a lock through fingers, Black hair by night, by day a dark russet, red in the light of the sun. He peered the length of the hall, feeling cold stone beneath his feet. His mother would have told him to put on his slippers, but the need had been so great that nothing else mattered but that he confront the lion and the thing in the lion's lap. He shivered, not from cold, from fear. Compulsion drove him. Aidan moaned a little. He wanted to leave the hall. He wanted to turn his back on the lion, the big black beast who waited to devour him, but the need, so overwhelming, would not let him. No candles had been left lighted. The fire pit coals glowed only vaguely. What little moon there was shone fitfully through the casements, its latticed light distorted by stained glass panes. If only he could see. No, he knew better. If he could see the lion, he would fear it more. Or would he? The light of day was no better. The lion still glared, still bared wooden teeth. Now he could barely see it, a crouch on the marble dais. Could it see him? Aidan bit a finger. Bowels turned to water. He wanted the chamber pot. But he was prince, and also Chezuli, if he retreated now, he would dishonor the blood in his veins. But oh, how he wanted to leave. Aidan rocked a little. Jehanna, he whispered, not knowing that he spoke. In the darkness, the lion waited. So did something else. Aidan drew in a strangled breath in three gulping inhalations, very noisy in the silence. Pressure in his bladder increased. He bit into his finger, then slowly took a step. One, then two, then three. He lost count of them all, but eventually all the steps merged and took him the length of the hall where he stood before the lion. He looked at eyes, teeth, nostrils. All of it would, all of it. He was made of flesh. He would rule the lion.
With effort, Aiden looked into the lap. In dim light, something glowed. It was a chain made of gold, heavy, hammered gold, alive with promises. More than wealth or power, the chain was heritage, his past and his future, legacy of the gods. He reached for it, transfixed, wanting it, needing it, knowing it was for him. But when his trembling hand closed over a link the size of a large man's wrist, the chain shape-changed to dust. He cried out. Urine stained his nightrobe. Shame flooded him, but so did desperation. It had been right there. Now there was nothing. Nothing at all remained. The dust and the chain was gone. He did not want to cry, he did not intend to cry, but the tears came anyway.